our statecraft as part of warfare. So there's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. there's a there's a slight gap there in understanding. The second is is of course while we do tend to talk about Russian measures short of war interference in elections and so on, um, and understandably so, uh, what we don't tend to talk about is the the, the rebuilding of um, Russian combat capability uh, that's very visible in Syria and very explicitly made in Syria, uh, but also the the combat that's taken place in Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we end up talking about these you know, hybrid measures, for instance, and we focus a lot on uh, election and, and, and domestic political interference. Understandable. We, but we cannot at the same time overlook the, the, the ramifications of, of, and the consequences for the use of, of, of military force as a, as a tool of policy. Remind me the name of the gap. It begins with an S that has replaced the folder gap. It's in your book, but uh, I recall well, that. Uh, it's, um, yes, it's the, the Suvalki gap is what people call it. Yes, that's it. Um, yes, and I, I must admit, I'm not a. I, some of my my friends and colleagues are, are are focusing on this. I I don't think that this is a particular um, a particular point of focus for for Russia. I, I can understand its regional and, and local importance. Of course, I can. Um, but I think that if if there is a dash made through the the Suvalki gap, we have we have a very serious um, wider problem. So it's it's an indication of something broad. So uh, you know the, the the sort of the first part of the book, and to some extent, you know the premise is uh, summarized by the old adage that the, the generals are fighting the last war, the the privates end up sacrificing in, in the current war. So the, the generals are you know there's a lot of this old infrastructure. Um, and you think it serves serves the West ill. It also, to some extent, interestingly, it serves Russia ill as well because uh, it creates lack of communication. That's, the two sides are talking past one another. What, what what's what's the more positive agenda? You know, where let's shift to what you suggest would uh, be more uh, appropriate in both our understanding of of Russia intentions and. Making sure the Russians don't misunderstand us. Again, uh, we don't we don't think a lot. We don't think of economic sanctions as a, a, an act of war. But if the Russians do, we need to be aware that they're going to interpret it that that way. I may have exaggerated a bit, but uh, so what 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 is the the positive agenda, and uh, that would get you know uh, readers will want to say, okay, this is a good go forward plan that's that's outlined in your book. First of all, this is one of the, 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 the difficulties of writing about Russia at the moment is, is the, the, how can I put it, this? the shaping of a, of a positive agenda. Because mm-hmm. most of the, the difficulties are, are actually based on policy disagreements and long-standing policy disagreements. So, I mean, almost across the board, London and Moscow disagree. I mean, yes, there are, there are some places for, for conversation, nuclear, uh, nuclear questions and so on. Um, but 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 on almost everything, European security architecture in Ukraine. Um, you could talk about uh, what happened in, in in Iraq and Syria. Uh, you could talk about a variety of questions, many of which you'd find London or Washington uh, on one side and, and and Moscow on the other. Same for Brussels and, and Moscow. So so there's a there's a very large there's a very large pile of, of what I would what I call policy rubble uh, over which we will have to cross. To, to begin to, to create dialogue with the Russians, um, and I think really that what we're going to have to do is is think of dialogue in the in the in the longer term. There won't be a, some grand bargain, in my view, as I try to argue in the 